to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Happy Easter to all of you. How are we doing today? We doing good? Listen, you guys sounded great this morning. You look great. Easter Sunday best. I, I think you look great. And, uh, you know, some of us, we just can't help it. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, you guys sound great. You look great. And we're glad that you're here on Easter Sunday, Easter weekend here at Canton Church. And what we want you to know is that you've been prayed for. We pray every week for those that are a part of our church and for our community. But uh, leading up to this weekend, we know there's a lot of things at play for an Easter weekend. And so we, we prayed specifically for you this weekend. And we're just so thankful that you've chosen to, to make a part of your Easter tightrope. And so you're walking along a rope. Maybe there's a rope over your head to help you. And, and so you're doing that. And then there was this one station that I remember very vividly from our high ropes course. And again, I found a picture just kind of doing a Google search. It looks something like this. This was called the Leap of Faith. Now, I got to be honest, I'm not scared of heights. I've said all weekend, I am scared of falling. I'm not scared of heights. But uh, when, they, when they tell you to jump off the top of a telephone pole and to fly through the air like Superman and to try to grab a hold of this little bar, here's what I don't understand. I honestly feel like the, same, the one that I did was set up just like this one. So the bar that you're catching is also connected to the rope that's holding your rope. So if there's a problem with that rope, you're in trouble no matter what happens, Right? And so they want you to climb to the top of the telephone pole, and you stand there, and you have to take a leap of faith, believing that the only thing that will keep you from hitting the ground was the young teenage boy who may or may not have been trained in making sure your harness was on right on the ground, who was distracted by the teenage girls in my youth group. And so I'm like, I, I, it feels like I was going to fall off, right? And so then they're like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to jump. And so I don't know if it was the telephone pole moving or if it was my knees, but man, I was buckling a little bit. And they were like, all right, Jeremy, you can do this. You can do it. Let's go. And so I was counting. I was like, one, two. And I jumped off the top of that telephone pole. And you can't tell it now, but I was pretty athletic as a teenager. And I don't think I made it halfway to the bar that I was supposed to get to. And so I fell, and the rope grabbed, and the harness grabbed. And then they're like, oh, that was a good try, good try. I was like, no, I'm a miserable failure, right? But they asked me to take a leap of faith. And this week, as I was thinking about Easter, I was thinking about how so much of our life is a leap of faith, but especially when it comes to Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is about taking a leap of faith. Many of you, you're familiar with Easter and the story of Easter. Perhaps more than any other weekend when I take this stage to present God's word to you, I come presenting a story that you know. Maybe with the exception of Christmas, Easter Sunday, I recognize that there is a lot of us in the room that we've heard this story a lot in our lives. I'll sum it up for those that may not really understand all the story of Easter, but what we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, according to God's word, we believe that Jesus came, he lived on the earth and claimed to be the son of God. As a part of his life on earth, he did three years of public ministry, bringing with him this ragtag bunch of 12 disciples. And his followers grew and grew as he did miracles and teaching that really kind of was countercultural to the religious norms of that day. And then later in his public ministry, one of his 12 followers chose to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And the religious leaders come and arrest him, and he goes and, and stands trial. It's kind of a shoddy trial. It's thrown together, and they already know what they want the outcome to be. And so at the end of that trial, he is sentenced to die. 
the, the, the form of death that he would die was the crucifixion, which was a part of the death penalty of the Roman Empire of that time. And so he goes to be crucified, and he hangs on a cross, which we reflected on in our Good Friday service Friday night. And then we understand that at the end of that time on the cross, he was pronounced dead, and then he was put into a tomb, a dead man. And what we celebrate and remember on Easter, beginning last night, and then for all three of our services today, we celebrate that the tomb did not hold him, that he was raised to life and that he came out of that tomb alive even though he went into that tomb dead. And so for all of us, as we think about that Easter story, I recognize that some of us, we're, we're, we're great to take hold of all of that truth. Others of us, maybe it's more of a leap of faith to kind of hold on to some of what I just described, maybe various parts of that story. Here's how scripture describes the events of the Resurrection Sunday in John chapter 20. Beginning in verse 1, early on Sunday morning while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Stop right here. We're reading from the Gospel of John, and any time in the Gospel of John that you read the phrase, the one whom Jesus loved, John is talking about himself. It's a little bit arrogant. Okay, so then he says, Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They both were running, but the other disciple, me, who was so much faster, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived because he was so much slower than me, and he went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, because he was so much faster than Simon Peter, also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Verse 14, then she, Mary Magdalene, turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which in Hebrew means teacher. It's interesting to me in this story that through the inspiration of God, the writers of the gospel accounts chose to use the testimony of women to begin telling the story of the resurrection. In the first century, the testimony of women was not even admissible in a court of law. So the idea that they would use the story of Mary Magdalene, the, the words of the women that would run to the tomb there early in the morning to prepare his body and to care for his body, it, it's amazing to me that through the inspiration of God, God chose to use those who were least in the society to tell the story. And I made fun of John a little bit as he's writing this account. But then Mary Magdalene and Peter and John, they encounter the idea that the tomb is empty. And depending on your faith background, perhaps today you just you hear this story and like some of those who were alive in that day, you just don't know what to do with the resurrection. I mean, how can dead things come back to life? It's impossible to believe. Well, I got good news for you. You're not the only one to feel that way. You're not the only skeptic in the crowd. Even one of Jesus' followers was skeptical about this idea of the resurrection of dead Jesus. The disciples, after Peter and John go and tell them, hey, we have seen the Christ. We, we, we've heard he's, he, the, the tomb was empty. They go and gather together, and I think that they're afraid. We read that they were behind locked doors in, in some of the accounts there. Jesus begins appearing to the New Testament, tells us, to over 500 people over the next couple of weeks. 
And so what we read here in John chapter 20 is that he's going to appear to the disciples, but not all of the disciples are there. One of the disciples that's missing, other than Judas, one of the disciples that's missing is a guy by the name of Thomas. This is a phrase that we have in our culture, doubting Thomas. And this is what happens beginning in verse 24. After Jesus has appeared to the disciples and the disciples tell Thomas, we've seen the Christ. One of the disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers in them, and place my hand into the wounds in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side, and don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. It's interesting to me that as Jesus is appearing to these over 500 people, that Thomas missed him showing up to the disciples the first time. And it would have been amazing if when Thomas shows up, he's like, I missed him? Well, I'm not going to believe unless I can touch the wound, if I can touch the hands. I'm not. And Jesus would have just shown back up and said, hey, sorry I missed you the first time. Let me just go ahead and get this done with all the disciples so you guys can help spread the word. But he didn't do that. What we just read is that it took eight more days. So Thomas had to walk around eight days, longer than a week, with his doubts, with his skepticism about the events that had transpired with the resurrection of Jesus. It didn't matter that the disciples, his friends, had told him that they had seen Jesus. He had not seen Jesus, and so he doubted. And when I think about this, I recognize that for some of us, we may find ourselves like Thomas. I mean, think about all that Thomas had access to. Thomas was there when Jesus turned five pieces of bread and two fish into enough lunch for thousands of people with leftovers. Thomas was there the day that Jesus spit into the dirt, made mud, put it on the eyes of a blind man so that he could see. Thomas was there as Jesus taught these incredible truths and lessons, and the religious leaders got upset about them. Thomas was even there the day that Jesus raised his friend Lazarus back from the dead. So Thomas had seen this miracle before, but when he hears that his Savior, his King, the Messiah, has raised from the dead. He saw Jesus die on the cross. How in the world could he be alive now? He doubted. He couldn't really make that leap. And so the question for all of us today is, like Thomas, is there a part of the story of Jesus that you just struggle to believe? It's okay if if there is, I, I'm not trying to set you up so that we can cast you out of the church, okay? There's some of those things that I struggle with too. But what is that part of the story of Jesus that you wrestle with? W where do you struggle with some of the narrative that we can read from Scripture? I, I mean, do you just kind of say, well, you know, he's kind of a good guy. I think he's a good... Well, C.S. Lewis says that's not possible for you just to believe he was a good guy. Because while he was on the earth, he claimed to be the Son of God. He said that you can't get to God unless you come... Through him, and so what C.S. Lewis describes is that you either have to believe that he's a lunatic, he's out of his mind, that he's a liar trying to deceive everyone, or he actually is the Lord. Another way that it's been described is that he might have been mad, he might have been bad, or maybe just maybe he was God. As we wrestle with who Jesus is, and you start to think about the things of the story of Jesus that perhaps you struggle with. Is it the virgin birth? Is it Christmas? Is it what we know about science and all of that and how it works? And you're just like, I just can't get my mind wrapped around that being the way that God sent Jesus 
to the earth? Is it the miracles? Like, is it the fact that Jesus walked around healing some people and allowing other people to stay sick? I mean, he walked up to the pool of Bethesda, and he healed one sick guy, and he left a bunch of other people around the pool sick. I struggle with that. Is it the resurrection? Is it the idea that we know that dead things don't come back to life? So how in the world could this happen? I mean, what is it about the story of Jesus that we wrestle with? Well, I'm thankful that beginning next week, we're going to start a a four-week series where we're going to look at some of these topics, some of these gray areas, some of these difficult things to understand. I encourage you to be back with us beginning next Sunday as we talk about this You Ask For It series to look at some of these concepts and these topics that we really wrestle with. But interestingly enough, it wasn't enough for Thomas just to feel the wounds. Jesus wanted to teach him one more lesson, and it relates to me and you. Look at this in verse 29 of what we just read. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. He was talking about me, he was talking about you, and he was telling the disciples, you get to see me, you get to touch me, you get to build your beliefs on what you see, but blessed and highly esteemed are those who believe without seeing. You and I actually get more credit than the disciples if we believe in the resurrected Jesus because we can't touch his hands and we can't touch his side. And that's really always been an interesting thought to me. Because what it really proves is that all of life boils down to faith. It boils down to faith. I know you may not think that's something that is lived out outside of the walls of this room, but really our lives are faith. We, we come in, and I don't know if you did this today, but perhaps you did. I just Nobody asked me, but when you walked into the room, nobody asked me, like, hey, who built this chair? Who screwed it together? Who made the the, the fabric and who put all the pieces together? Before I sit in it, I want to make sure that it's sturdy. It's like a leap of faith. Well, not really. I mean, it's kind of just like a tightrope. You're just kind of believing based on previous experience, based on what you've done before and what you know about the science of chairs that it's going to hold you. Maybe when you get into your car later today and you are going to lunch or going home, you're just believing and hoping and kind of living by faith that all the parts work and that all the pieces are there and the guy that put it together and the people that welded it together and the computers that made it and all those things, that they work because it's, it's a leap of, well, it's not really a leap of faith. It's kind of just a tightrope because you're just, you're just believing the salesman, because they're trustworthy, that when he told you, if you're a car salesman, I apologize. That was off the cuff. I shouldn't have said that. You're just believing that when he told you you were getting a good deal and the car worked great, you were actually getting a good deal and the car would work great. You're just believing and hoping and walking the tightrope to believe that the car is as safe as they told you it would be. All of life comes down to faith. But if you say, well, I mean, that's not really a leap of faith because those things are based on facts. I can put pencil and paper together. I have historical experience that I can walk through and kind of go back in my mind's eye to what I've walked through and what I've seen other people walk through, and I know it to be true. But really, when you think about the things that we don't really understand about Jesus, we may not understand about the Bible, the chairs we sit in, the cars that we drive, and the lives that we lead, it all comes down to faith. My son Branson, who's 12, his favorite verse right now is John 13, 7. I'm going to paraphrase it. But it says this. It says, you don't understand now, but one day you will. He said, Dad, that's my favorite verse right now. I said, buddy, it's one of my favorite verses, too, because ultimately what it's saying is have faith. 
Because that's really all faith is. Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says it this way. It says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the assurance of things that we do not see. We did an entire series of messages back in January on faith, living by faith, believing God for big things of faith. I encourage if you weren't here to go back and listen to the podcast of those messages to really understand what it means to trust God for big things and to believe God by faith that he has a plan for your life. Because faith is more than just walking the tightrope. There really is a moment when you have to decide where I'm at and where I'm headed they're, they're a long way off. I mean, maybe it's a tightrope, and maybe it's a leap of faith to believe that where we started in our marriage, when we committed ourselves to one another, when we made some vows and we said, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. But now, now there's a gap. There's this gap between where we are in our marriage and where we want to end up. And so some days it feels like we're walking the tightrope. And other days it feels like that the goal has moved. And the place that we're headed can no longer be accessed by just walking the tightrope of the lack of trust and the lack of communication. And how do I get from here to there? I can't. I'll fall off. So now I've got to take a leap of faith. That you're going to keep your word, and I'm going to keep my word, and God's going to honor the covenant vows that we made. Maybe you stand on one side and you say, there's a gap between me and my kids. I mean, I, I heard the verse, train up a child in the way he would go, and he would not depart from it. But man, it seems like he has departed, she has departed. They are as far away from God and the things that we tried to instill in them. And so I stand on this side, and there is no tightrope to walk. I don't know how to reach them. I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to fix this. And so we just take a leap of faith to say, God, how do I get beyond the gap with my kids? God, would you keep your promise? If generations matter, would you bring my son or my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter back to find faith in you? There's a gap. We we, we stand on this side and we go, hey, in my job, I got a job. It's not not the job I want, but it's the job I have. Maybe I don't even have a job. I want a job. I'll take any job. We stand on this side and we try to figure out when every single month there's more month than there is money. Right? You've been there where the money runs out before the month does. And you go, God, if you are my provider, I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to trust in your provision. Maybe today you came in, and it's, it's not really about what you even believe about Jesus. It's what you know about yourself. You hear people like me talk about the idea that God loves you, that God can forgive you, that God's got big plans for you. God's got a calling on your life. He has a purpose and a destiny in your life. You stand on this side, and you go, you don't understand It's more than a leap of faith to believe that God could love me. It's more than a leap of faith to believe that God can forgive me. Because you don't know the things that I've done. I carry guilt and I carry shame and condemnation for all these mistakes. And I'm afraid that if I show you the real me, you won't like what you see. And there's no way God would either. 
there's a gap. There's a gap. I've got good news for you today. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when I read this, as a child, I thought I understood what it meant. When I read it as a teenager, I, I was sure that I knew what it meant. As an adult, I was, I was confident that I knew what it meant. Because sin is bad behavior. Sin is mistakes. Sin is little white lies. Sin is doing something you know that you should not do. That's not sin. Sin is separation from God. That's what sin is. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the cool of the day until the serpent deceived them. They bought into the lie. They bought into the deceit. And they were separated from God. And the rest of Scripture from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation is about God reconciling man back to himself, trying to find a way to bridge the gap. Sin is separation. When I was a little boy, I, um, I went with my mom to a department store. Some of you that are younger, you have no idea what words I just said. We shop on Amazon. It's delivered to our house. A department store was something in the olden days when we lived in black and white, where you went to a big box store and you bought everything that you could ever want in life. So I don't know how old I was. In my mind's eye, I was about four. Maybe I was a little younger. Maybe I was a little older. I remember it in vivid detail, but I remember it perhaps through the retelling of this story in my family. So my mom and I went to this department store, and my mom was pretty fearful in public places about get, getting lost, and, uh, us getting lost. And so, you know, every now and then while she's shopping, Jeremy, you're right. Okay, Jeremy, you're good. Okay. Jeremy, Jeremy, you stay close. Stay close, Jeremy. Don't, don't, don't wander off. Yes, Mom. Okay. And we were walking around the store and looking at all kinds of stuff, and something crazy happened. My mom got lost. <laughs> I didn't get lost. I knew right where I was at. She got lost. And so I wandered around that department store. It felt like 10 minutes. It, it, it might have been shorter, might have been longer. I don't know, but it felt like an eternity to me. And I remember thinking, I'll go to the one place that any mom in this store would go. So I went to the perfume counter. It smelled like mom. So that's where I went. I walked around. Mom? Mom? No one helped me. No one thought it was weird that a little boy was walking around the perfume counter yelling, Mom. Mom? And what seemed like an eternity... All of a sudden, I heard my mom's voice. Jeremy? Mom? Jeremy? Where in the world is she at? But she wasn't close by. I heard her voice through the speaker. <laughs> As it played out, my mom had gone to customer service after she had looked for me for a little while, and she could be pretty persuasive. And somehow she wrangled the phone away from the girl, okay? And she started talking into that phone. Jeremy, this is your mom. Mom! 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 She said, Jeremy, stand still. She said, stand right where you're at. And just throw your hands up in the air. And someone's going to come find you and bring you to me. Mom! 
Within about five seconds, a little old lady came and knelt down right next to me, and she said, are you Jerry? I thought, how does she know my name? That is so weird. I said, yeah. She said, let's go find your mom. And she brought me to customer service. Felt like two miles away. But when we turned the corner, my mom dropped the phone. I know because I heard it clank around in the speakers of the ceiling. And she came running to where I was at. I thought she would be angry, but instead she looked relieved. I thought she would yell at me, but instead she just cried. She told me she loved me, and she hugged me so tight I thought she was going to break my ribs. She said, I love you, son. I'm so sorry I got lost. I'm so sorry. But I'm glad I found you. If you would allow me today, can I play the role of the little old lady? Some of us, we feel the reality of separation from God. And man, we've been running around trying to figure out how to get back to him. We're just trying to figure out, like, here's where I am. God! God! How, how do I get over there? How do I find you? I don't, I don't know how to get there. There was this incredible song a number of years ago in contemporary Christian music by a group that it's not important to call their name right now. They said this, there's a bridge to cross the great divide. Yes, there's a cross to bridge the great divide. God said, there's no way for you to stand here and get to me unless I provide the way. Unless I send my one and only son, Jesus, because I love you, you can't get there. But as soon as I send Jesus, you have a way to bridge the gap. Jesus is enough. And if you've ever wondered why God would do that, just look to the famous words of John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What God wants you to know is that whenever you find yourself on one side of the gap, Love spans the gap. Love spans the gap. God loves you enough that he's looking for you. He's seeking you out. You don't have to just stand there and yell, God, I'm trying everything I know. I don't, I don't know how to get to you. I don't know where you're at. calling you by name. Jeremy, would you just stop trying so hard and just stand still and lift up your hands? I want to play the role of the little old lady today and just say, can I help you find Jesus? Can I help you take a leap of faith? Can I help you live every day trusting God more than you ever have before? Just believing that he's already done everything that is necessary to close the gap. And here's the amazing truth. The story of Jesus doesn't end with a cross. When you find yourself on this side 
of a marriage that seems hopeless, and you say, man, our marriage is done. It is dead. It is over. Because of Easter Sunday, I believe your marriage may just need a resurrection because God can bring dead things back to life. When you stand on one side and you say, my relationship with my kids, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how I get there. I don't know how we do this thing. I believe the relationship with your children may just need a resurrection. The power of God that lives inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead is enough that because of love, it can happen. You stand on this side and you say, no, you don't understand. I have made too many mistakes. I've done too much wrong, too much harm. I am good for nothing. And God would say, no, no, no. You're worth Jesus to me. You are worth Jesus to me. And the death of your life is not the end of your life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive again. Maybe your life just needs a resurrection. I'm going to ask you to grab the response card that was on your seat when you came in today. Every person in the room, we're asking across all of our services this weekend, just hold that card for just a moment. On the front, it says response card, and there's some demographic information. And if you have a prayer request, we'd love for you to fill that out so we can pray for you. But flip the card over, and on the back, it says 2019 Easter Survey. What we want you to do is, again, you can check some things off there, and that helps us to kind of know how to present the relevant biblical information that you may be seeking, the questions that you may be asking. But at the very bottom... You see four lines, A, B, C, and D. We're asking every person this weekend to respond in one of these four ways. Maybe you say, I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I believe. I'm in a real relationship. This is more than just praying a sinner's prayer. I live my life to the best of my ability every single day in relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you would say, today's the day. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. We've already had a number of people across our services so far to say, hey, today's the day. I want my eternity to change forever, right now. So maybe you would say, I'm beginning a real relationship. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm still searching. There's still some things about Jesus I don't quite understand. There's still some things I'm wrestling with, I'm trying to figure out, and I just don't know. But I'm considering it, so I'll check C. Or maybe you feel like today, I don't ever intend on making that decision. And can I ask you? I respect so much that you feel that way. I genuinely do. Would you have the courage to check D? If this is how you feel, I'm asking you to respond in that way. We're not going to bombard you with a bunch of information no matter which one you check. We may provide some resources or follow up, but I promise our goal is not to wear you out. We just want to make sure we know where you're at, where our congregation is, where this community of people are at in their walk with Jesus. And if you say, hey, I don't ever intend to do that, that's okay. Just check that box. Now, if you've already had a chance to fill that out, I'm going to ask you just to hold it in your hand and bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. No matter which line you checked, A, B, C, or D, it doesn't matter. Just hold it in your hand. And if you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I check, I check next to B. Today's the day. There's no better time than the present. I am not in a real relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm asking him to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, for me, it's not about salvation. But I want to trust God like never before. 
I'm asking God to help me to take a leap of faith, to grow my trust in him, to grow my belief that he is with me every step of the way. I thank God for Jesus, and I thank him that he bridged the gap. And so I'm asking now that he would help me every single day to wake up and to live my life in such a way that it's totally dependent on him. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we love you today. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ and that that wasn't the end of the story. And God, now I ask you for every person that lifted their hands that you would respond in the way that only you can and forgive their sins. To become their Lord and Savior today. Change their eternity. God, we thank you that families, generations will be changed forever because they had the courage to respond to you today. So God, thank you for that. We celebrate now with heaven for those who are making that decision this weekend. And God, I pray for every hand that's lifted today to say, I want to trust God more. I want to believe God more. If there's parts of who he is and what he claimed and parts of scripture that I don't fully understand, I want to engage those things. And I want to take a leap of faith and live my life in such a way that it's dependent on who he is. God, help us to do so. We'll give you all the honor and all the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com.